Good morning. morning. Our Our scripture reading today is from Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, church. My name is Ben, and I am one of the uh, <clears throat> one of the elders here. And I was talking to James before. I was like, "Man, I usually like to start with a joke, but I don't have one." But then I saw we still left this at Vince's level from last week. So <clears throat> let me move that up real quick. <clears throat> so thank you, God, <clears throat> for setting that up for me. Um, but I'm going to have to come up with a second joke for the second service, because that would just seem really weird. Um, but no, I am, like I said, my name is Ben, and I'm excited to be up here today to continue our, our sermon series on This Is Who We Are, where we're talking about uh, this is who we are as the church, and this is who we are as Pillar Church of Okinawa. We're trying to dig into our, our DNA and what that means. Uh, last Sunday, Vince jumped into uh, what the true gospel culture is. Uh, he talked about uh, what Christian community rests upon, and today we're going to continue to dig into the community aspect a little more. And, and Carrie, thank you for reading the scripture. I'm, I'm excited. I get to talk about this odd scripture with body parts in it, because it sort of fits in line with my character. So today we're going to continue talking about the DNA that, that surges, like I said, not just through the universal church, but through pillars' veins as well. Uh, but before we do that, I just got to admit, like, I had a crazy week. Um, sometimes I feel like when people come up here, they have to act like everything is working out in their life, that God has, has you know, made everything easy this past week. But Monday, um, we almost murdered our cat. So um, our cat came downstairs and, and rested next to me, um, was breathing, like hyperventilating. There was some like foam coming from his mouth. And he's almost 18. So Nicole's like, you know, it's time. We need to take him to the vet. So we rush. We get to the vet. By the time we get to the vet, our cat is like wide awake, looks like nothing happened. We've already reported that we want to put our animal down. And the doctor's looking at us like, I don't think you should be trying to ask to put this cat down right now. We're like, no, you have no idea. He's really old. He's dying. And she's like, he just jumped off this six-foot table. Like, he's fine. Um, 
So praise God, $20 worth of medicine, uh, he's fully healed. So um, we did not murder our cat this week, but that was our Monday. Um, work has been hectic. I started a new job, as some of you know. Um, that changed my schedule and, and the way our life looks like in our house. Um, sickness, I was sick Wednesday to Thursday. Just all these things going on. Nicole was sick yesterday, still sick today. And while I was prepping this, I was just like, man, God, like, I can't catch a break. I'm trying to preach on Christian community. And then just last night, I'm reminded that he showed me all these examples throughout the week of Christian community in my life. And so I'm excited to be the one up here and to do this. So let's start with prayer. Oh, Father God, we come together today, Lord, as a community of believers, as a community of those who come together saying that Jesus Christ is our Lord, that Jesus Christ is our Savior, and that we need him. And Father, as Carrie read for us today, we know that it is the Spirit that has given us gifts, that has given us these abilities to love one another. And Father, we're going to dig into the reason why you do that for us. Uh, so Lord, we pray that this service is honoring to you, that it brings glory to your ears, and that this is, a, this is an attraction to those outside the body of Christ to come to know you, to come to want to know who Jesus is and what he did for them. And so Father, we are just thankful for your spirit. We are thankful for your presence every single day in our life, Lord. No matter how alone we feel, we know you are there. No matter how alone we feel, you, we, we know that the community of believers that you have blessed us each with are there. And so Father, we pray all these things in your son's holy name. Amen. All right, so to get some background, since the series isn't really jumping through one letter, we're using a couple different writings to go through this is who we are. Uh, the church in Corinth, Paul's writing this letter to him. There's a couple letters that he's written uh, to them. This is not the first letter. He's already written a different one, uh, but this is the first one that we have in the canon. And here, uh, Paul's writing to this super diverse seaport church, and it's controlled by Rome, and it's got many religions many trades, many cultures. It is a very, very diverse community. Uh, Jews are there, Gentiles are there, Greeks are there. And this portion of the letter that was read for us in chapter 12 is, is a part of the letter where Paul is giving some correction. He's also giving some suggestions. Uh, he's also giving them um, some ways forward on how the body of Christ is supposed to be lived out. Um, because whenever we need correction, we know we're doing something wrong. So the church in Corinth was doing something wrong. Um, so our, our big idea today is going to be on the screen is the manifestation of the spirit produces Christian community for the common good. And we, we, we read that earlier, that the manifestation of the spirit produces Christian community or Christian community for the common good. But we're going to shorten it down a little bit, and we can actually just say the Spirit produces good community. The Spirit produces good community. And so we have four points that I want to dig into in this small passage of Scripture. The, the points today are going to be unity and diversity. We need one another. We differ from one another. And we are to care for one another. So let's just jump straight into it. Unity in diversity. 1 Corinthians 12, 13. If you have your Bibles, please open it up. We're going to stay mostly in the, the letter of 1 Corinthians right in this chapter. So verse 13, Paul is talking to them about one body with many members. And he says, for in one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And we are all made to drink of one spirit. 
So Paul tells us in, in verse 12 that there's many members to equal this body of Christ. It's not the same member, but many members equal the body of Christ. And then he continues to, to talk about Jews and Greeks, slaves and free. Well, Paul's trying to, to tell the church in Corinth that these, these dividing lines that the rest of the world hold true, these dividing lines that the rest of the world hold onto tightly are supposed to be erased in the church. See, when he says Jews and Greeks, he's talking about racial divisions erased. Right? Jews were the original people of God. They were the original covenant of God. And Greeks, we can just insert the word Gentiles. And anyone that didn't come from the Jewish faith or from the Jewish uh, culture, you, you were a Gentile. You had to be grafted in. And Paul says, Jew or Greek. So the church is, is not Jews only. The church is not Greeks only. The church is not English only, Italians only, Japanese only, Spanish only, whites only, blacks only, Asian only, fill in the blank only. Paul is telling them, that the church is all of these. Doesn't matter what race, doesn't matter their ethnicity, but the church is all of these. And these dividing lines that this society was holding on to needs to erase them in the church. But see, Paul doesn't stop there with just racial divisions. He, he brings us to social divisions. He brings us to slaves and free. You see, the church is not a group of slaves only, free only, athletes only, college grads only, stay-at-home moms only, civilians only, Marines only, Army only, Air Force only, Navy only, fill-in-the-blank only. Your social status doesn't decide whether or not you are a member of the body of Christ. You can't. Racial divisions erased. Social divisions erased. But we have to ask how, because the rest of the world still holds on to those divisions. The rest of the world, when Paul wrote this letter, held those divisions dearly and deeply. We have to go back to verse 13. In one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. See, I'm going to throw a picture on the screen right here. Um, and this picture can stay up for a little bit. I, I was going to say I grew up watching Spongebob, but I think I started watching Spongebob in high school. Um, so I don't want to say grew up, because I don't know if that's accurate. But, so this right here is Spongebob, um, and if anyone's watched Spongebob, they know this is not what he normally looks like. Right? Does anyone here watch Spongebob? Thank you. I'm not alone. So this message is for you, okay? Everyone else can go home, but this message is for you. All right, so here we have Spongebob, and this is not normal Spongebob. See, SpongeBob lives in a neighborhood with a starfish, his friend Patrick, and he lives in a neighborhood with, with Squidward. SpongeBob will call him his friend, but Squidward probably wouldn't call him his friend. And, and the issue is, is that SpongeBob is, is himself. He's this, this diverse, weird dude. He loves jellyfishing. He loves blowing bubbles. He loves trying to get his boat driver's license, but continues to fail. And Squidward is this normal neighbor. He's this person who is perfect. He's this person who loves fine art, who plays horrible music, but he thinks he's good. And so Squidward tells him, I just need you to be normal. I need you to be like me. And so SpongeBob, this is who he becomes. He's, he's supposed to be in a restaurant flipping burgers right now, but he's sitting at a computer 
uh, I believe in this episode, printing out burgers because he became normal. And, and SpongeBob would walk in and he would say, good morning, good morning, the weather's beautiful. And that's all he would say. He lost who he was. He lost his, his diverse self-being because Squidward told him that he couldn't be who he truly was. Now, speaking to anyone in the room that's a non-believer that thinks that you're supposed to change your, your racial identity or change your, your social diversity in order to become a Christian, let me tell you that's, that's not true. See, early in the, the 1600s, 1700s, when missionary fields first started setting out, that's what took place. The missionaries went to a, a foreign country and they found a people that didn't know who Jesus was and the missionaries taught them who Jesus was, but they also taught them you, you sort of need to dress like us. You sort of need to, to go to school like us. Your, your culture should look like us. That's not Christianity. Christianity doesn't erase culture. Christianity allows culture to be molded in. Now, what I'm not trying to say is this. I'm not trying to say when you become a Christian, your life isn't going to change. No, your life 100% should change. Your old self is going to die in that grave that Jesus was laid down with, your old self goes in that very same grave. And then three days later, when Jesus rose again, your new self rises with Christ. And things in your life should look different. I like making jokes. I made a joke about Vince's height. I don't really think he's that short, but it's okay. But in the past, before I was a Christian, my jokes wouldn't be clean. My jokes would be different. But I'm still going to be a funny dude because I've been trying my best. The, the point is, the gospel doesn't erase who you are. It, it gradually changes who you are to be more Christ-like, but it doesn't erase your social identity and it doesn't erase your racial identity. So this right here, for everyone, so for the two people that watch SpongeBob, you already know this, but you can go to the next picture, please, Grant. This right here is SpongeBob, right? He's square, he's wearing uh, pants and a tie, he has all these dots because he's a sponge and he lives in the ocean. And this, this picture is what our community is supposed to be looking like. Our community is supposed to look like people who are themselves, who don't need to think they need to dress like others or be like others or change their racial identity or try to identify as something as they're not to fit in to what Jesus Christ laid for us on that cross. Paul tells us, Jews, Greeks, slaves, and free, none of that makes a difference in the body of Christ. See, our community is supposed to be those second SpongeBob's, not the first ones. And you know what? We need those second SpongeBob's in our community. And that brings us to our second point. We need one another. But in order to actually get into this passage correctly, we need to know the context of what Paul's talking about here. So we need to jump back up to verses four through seven, and it's going to be on the screen for you. I'm going to read it out loud. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. See, what is, what is Paul talking about when he goes down in verses 12 through 26? See, Paul's talking about the varieties of gifts or abilities or services or activities. Not just to some of the believers, but to each of the believers. To all of the believers. And, and, and why? Why is he talking about this? Or why are all these people, the believers in the body of Christ, given the manifestation of the Spirit? It's for the common good. 
for the common good. And we have to go back to what I said in the beginning where, where Paul's writing this letter of correction. This is a, this is a letter of correction where, where the church in Corinth was not living out these gifts, these abilities, these activities, these services for one another for their common good of the body of Christ. Can we throw up the, the next slide? Thank you. So here we have uh, verses 15 through 16 and 12 through 21. And let me read that for you. So if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. In verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. See, Paul's telling the church in Corinth that the different parts of the body need each other. See, he's ha he has this visual analogy going on, pointing out how irrational it would be for these body parts to say to one another, we have no need of you, or I don't belong here, because I'm not this, I'm not a part of the body. See, Paul gives us this imagery that's so connected, so deep, so relatable, that every human being, whether they're in a relationship with Christ or not, can understand what he's saying. For a hand to say, I'm not part of the body because, well, I'm not an eye or a foot because I'm not a head, or fill in the blank with whatever body part it is, Paul is, is connecting this body imagery to the gifts, the abilities, the services, the activities that they all bring to the body of Christ for the common good of Christ's community. So Paul's telling these separate gifts, they're good. These are good gifts. And then reminds them that it's God who has appointed these gifts to them. These aren't gifts that, that they've earned themselves or they've given themselves, but these are gifts that our sovereign Lord, our sovereign Father in heaven, has given and bestowed upon each and every one of these members of the community of Christ. So the church, built through Christ, strengthened by the Spirit, requires all parts of the body to do what they were designed to do in order for that body of Christ to thrive. Pillar, we are built the same way the church in Corinth was. Different members with different gifts, different services, different activities, different abilities. We are a seaport, just like Corinth. We have people in and out. We have different, different different fractions of the military coming in and out. We have civilians coming in and out. We have locals coming in and out. And we have different races, races and, and ethnicities and social divisions that shouldn't be dividing that are coming into these doors. We are the same as the church in Corinth. We are a melting pot of cultures and gifts. And that's good. We need that. See, our, our giftings intertwine with one another the same way a hand needs a foot, the same way an eye needs a hand. Our giftings are created by God, given to the body, to each one as he chooses, for them to intertwine together. For what reason? For the common good, to build up the body of Christ. See, my hand needs an eye, my foot needs an eye, 
My Ben needs a Darren. I need a George. I need a Zach. Look around, take a second. This might seem weird. Look around for a second and think about the people that are in this room that you can say, I need their gifting in my life because it has been for my common good and it has lifted up my spirit so that way I can honor God on a deeper way, in a deeper level. Because we'd be foolish to think that we need ourselves and that's it. We'd be foolish to say that there's no one else in this room that God has given us or blessed us with that their gifts, I don't need them. See, we need each other and we need one another's gifts and it all comes back to the common good. That is why God has given us these gifts and that is why we are to use them in community. So we need to be thankful for one another and for one another's gifts. But then the word jealousy comes to mind. We're not to be jealous or spiteful. We're not to be, I wish I had that gift because it's better than mine. Which brings us to our, our third point. We differ from one another. See, these phrases, if we could put the next slide up, if we could just leave those there for a couple minutes so we can have them there. These phrases, I do not belong to the body, or I have no need of you, these cause fractures. These cause fractures. They are not for our common good, and they break apart the foundation of the community that Christ has built and started on that cross 2,000 years ago. But see, these, these phrases, I do not belong to the body, or I have no need of you, these stem from our differences. These stem from the things that are, are different between each and every one of us. More, more specifically now, speaking about our gifts, speaking about what God has given us through the Spirit for the common good. See, do our differences make us feel disconnected from the body? Do you wish you had a different gift? Or maybe even more specifically, that your gifts were like someone else's? Or that your ability was like someone else's? Or that you were better at doing something like someone else for God's glory? Do you believe, do you believe that your gifts are greater than someone else's? Do you believe that your gifts deserve the greater honor? Do you believe that, that your gift means that you don't need someone else here and they should find another church where their gift could be used. See, the church in Corinth was living this out. The church in Corinth, they were actively bestowing upon themselves, my gift is greater than yours. And then people, the people didn't want to be there. The, the, the people with the, the lower gifts or that seem indispensable were made to feel like they were nothing. See, the, the Corinthian church was good at dividing things. If we, if we look through the rest of this letter, there's a couple other things that we could talk about where they were good at dividing. They were, they were divisive over the Lord's Supper. Some, some had a feast while others had no food whatsoever. And Paul corrects them in this letter, saying, how, how dare you? How dare you unjustly Submit to the Lord's Supper and the Lord's table in a way that, that dishonors him. This is not, not what he wanted. 
See, this church was also good at dividing over spiritual gifts. If you keep reading after chapter 12, you're going to get into these, the spiritual gift conversation where, where they elevated one spiritual gift, speaking in tongues over everything else. And that was a divisive thing in their church, especially in this church filled with, with such a diverse amount of, of different races and cultures. This church needed correction on how to celebrate differences. My question for us today is, do you think the church today has solved those problems? I know over the past couple years I've been living in Okinawa, it's been this little bubble. I haven't been in the States, but I could tell you that the church has definitely not solved those problems. Right? And I don't know if that's something that we're going to be able to solve. Why? Because we're broken. Because we're sinners. And we are not perfect. But that does not mean we don't continue to work and step in the right direction. It does not mean that we do not continue to love Christ with all that we have and that changes who we are. Right? We don't have to change our, our racial identity or, or anything about who we are culturally, but our hearts, our minds, and our souls should be changing daily in our walk with Christ to love those as much as he's loved us. Do you think Pillar Church has solved this problem? See, our gifts are all given by God. He's, he's made that very clear in this letter when Paul has said that it is by God and his spirit and he's chosen. It's his sovereign design. It's his sovereign choice. We're not called to be a, a, a jack a jack of all and a master of none. See, we're called to be exactly what we are in the season that we're in with what God has gifted us with. I'm going to stand up here right now and say that I've been jealous of other people when they come up here and preach. And I was like, God, I wish that were me. I wish I was better at this. God, I wish... I was better at this. I wish you gifted me in a different way to bring honor to you. Too often my own heart says what God has gifted me with isn't good enough and I want what someone else has. Too often I think I have no need of you. I want to be the one that people say we need him. And there's also times where I say to myself, I don't belong to this body. Being a Christian of six years, I see older gentlemen that have been Christians lifelong, and I feel like, man, I can't, I can't stand next to them. I can't hold a conversation with them. I don't belong here. I need to, I need to go find somewhere else where I, where I fit in. And I say, God, your timing is wrong. My timing is, is right, and I need to leave. Imagine if everyone in here had the same gift. Like, think about that for a second. Imagine if everyone here had the same gift. How much would our body be lacking? Imagine if we were all super good at serving one another all the time, but we all lacked wisdom. That's funny, yeah. Like, if we all lacked wisdom... We'd be really good at serving people in horrible ways, right? Like, because we don't do it smartly. Um, we, we can't be a body with one gift. We need everyone and the gifts that God has given them. I don't want to imagine a church where there's only one gift, and that's the gift that reigns true. 
Imagine how unattractive that church would be to anyone walking through its doors. Imagine if we were a church filled with only wisdom. Do you think anyone would want to have a conversation with us? No. See, Jesus, with his great commission, he sends us and tells us to go and make disciples. And he uses the church as his vehicle for that, for that mission. And our church is supposed to be diverse. See, our community of believers is supposed to be filled with differences that make it stronger. See, the differences do make us stronger. And the differences in the universal church and in pillar is what Jesus needs. It's what he calls us to be. And I want to emphasize that it's, it's Paul's words where he says, to each is given. Not, not some. Not some. Uh, I know I can speak for a couple people in here without naming names that some people feel as if God just passed over them when it came to gifts. God passed over them when it came to doing anything for his community or I'm just going to live in the shadows. And God didn't pass over you. See, each has a gift. Everyone has a gift. Not some. And those that feel like they're in the shadows, those that feel like they're not a part of the community, this brings us to our, our fourth and final point. We are to care for one another. See, Paul tells us in this chapter that there's to be no division in the body. Absolutely no division. He doesn't say some division. He's not vague with it. He says no division. And yet, in the six years of me being a Christian, I could tell you I've seen plenty of it in every location I've been where there's division in the body. And, and Paul's not saying this isn't good to have denominations. That's, that's not what Paul's saying here, right? Let's think, Paul's talking to a specific church about specific events that are specifically taking place and we need to apply that to us today. No division in the body, same care for one another. See, some parts seem less honorable or less important, but Paul tells us that those parts deserve what? The greater honor. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. See, all the parts of the body are equally important to God, and they should be equally important to us, but in our broken nature, we, we see people with certain gifts and we elevate those over people with other gifts. And then we miss to recognize people that feel like they're in the shadows or people that they, they feel like they're not a part of the community of God. And that's not what God wants for us. So all parts of the body are equally important. In 1 Corinthians 12, chapter 26, Paul says this. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You can have an entire sermon just on that. And I feel as if that's one of the deepest deepest sentences he has in chapter 12. If one member suffers, all suffer. Very first time I preached at Pillar was uh, February 2022. 
And I was so excited because I felt like God has been calling me to be a pastor. And John Ransom said, Ben, we want you to preach. And I was like so excited for that. And it was on John chapter 15. And it was supposed to be an amazing day of me trying to honor the Lord and, and me fumble through my first sermon. And <clears throat> my wife and kids were supposed to come to the second service. First service goes on, and then in between the first and second service, um, well, sort of during it, whatever, I find out that my wife's in the hospital having a miscarriage while I'm preaching my first sermon, while I'm up here trying to love the Lord. And my wife is losing a child in the hospital without me. If one member suffers, all suffer. That was a day of suffering. That was a season of suffering. And Nicole and I, we weren't on our own. That day, many people came to our house just to sit with us, just to cry with us, just to serve us food. I didn't have to cook dinner for the next two weeks. I was able to sit there and just love my wife. I was able to sit there and work through the emotions of losing a child. If one member suffers, all suffer. I guarantee you that if you haven't gone through a season or event that was suffering in your life, you will. You will at some point. But the community of God the community of believers is supposed to be there with you when you're doing it, when you're going through it, when you're going through that season of suffering, when you're going through that season of no hope, others are around you are supposed to be the hope for you. We have a, a beautiful system here at Pillar. We have missional communities, MCs. When I first got here, I thought, oh, we got motorcycle clubs. I'm going to have to get a bike. <laughs> We have missional communities, and, and through that community, through those communities, I have felt nothing but love through seasons of suffering. And I have been able to join and walk alongside many other members, many other parts of the body through seasons of suffering. After we lost our child, I walked through miscarriage with three other members just months after, and I thank God for giving me the opportunity to know their pain. Paul says, if one member is honored, all rejoice together. We are a family of celebration. We have the greatest thing to celebrate in this world, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ died on our behalf on the cross, took the weight of our sins, and erased that. He, he got rid of it. And now when our Lord, when God our Father looks down from heaven, he sees a beautiful son or daughter, not a dirty, disgusting, wretched child, but a beautiful son or daughter of the God Most High. We have so many things to celebrate here. We're a military community. There's so many things to celebrate. And when we have something to celebrate, we're supposed to come together. We're supposed to honor those people. And this church does that well. I want to go to one more passage out of uh, the book of Romans. And this is where Paul uh, is talking to the church in Rome. And he says, let one another with brotherly affection outdo, oh, sorry, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
this is the one, really, like probably the one point in the Bible where you can see someone is telling us to one-up each other. Like, hey, it's okay to be better than him or her at doing this, so one-up each other. I, I, don't, I don't think it means exactly that, but, but as I'm sitting here going through this in this, this hectic week that I mentioned in the beginning where we almost murdered a cat, I'm thinking... Man, how, how do we honor each other at, at Pillar? My wife was sick yesterday, and, and we were supposed to watch someone's kids so they can go out and enjoy their anniversary dinner. They asked us, we said we would love to. So I sent a message saying, hey, I'm so sorry, but we can no longer, um, well, I actually, I said, I'm so sorry, my wife is sick, but I'll still watch your kids. Please, you know, drop them off. So I'm inviting this family to drop off their kids to a house where someone's sick and throwing up. Like, it sounds good in my head and heart, but this, this person's probably like, ah, we're okay. So they write back saying, no, thank you. We'll, we'll do a rain check. And, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. And their very next message was, how can we serve you? Can we make soup for you today? Can we help you with your family today? I just ruined their anniversary. Like, we gave them bad news. Like, you guys can no longer celebrate your anniversary. You have to take your kids with you, and, and that's fun. Just, just kidding, kids. It's super fun. <laughs> join us every day. Um, and, and they respond back, how can we serve you? How can we help you? See, that's the body of Christ. But the funny thing is I had to tell them, no, I don't want your soup. <laughs> because someone else has already offered to make us soup. Someone else has already offered to bring us food. See, this church, Pillar Church of Okinawa, I've been coming here for four years since the, the first weekend I stepped off the plane. And I have seen nothing but people that suffer with those who suffer and honor those who are being honored. And it has been such a blessing in our lives. Family, this is pillar. And the next slide sums it up. The spirit produces good community at pillar. Let's pray. Father God, we give you thanks, Lord, for this day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence in our lives. And Lord, I specifically thank you for all of those in my family's life, Lord, that has continuously pointed us back to the cross, back to the hope that is only in Jesus Christ. Uh, Lord, you, you give us trials to work through, but Father, you've given us a body of Christ to grow alongside and for those trials to help us live through them. Lord, you give us people to suffer alongside and people to celebrate alongside. And Lord, for that we are so grateful. And Father, we just want to honor you today and thank you for all that you have done and continue to do. Lord, we pray this in your son's holy name. Amen. Amen.